I'm going to go ahead and do some background. But uh, we'll get started. See you. Okay. All right. Hello, CP podcast listeners. It is Wednesday, December 8th. It is currently 2.49 p.m. here in Seattle, Washington. I am sitting here in my home office looking outside a big window. Um, It's partly cloudy. I'm seeing a little bit of sunlight coming through. Um, My partner is sitting behind me wrapping Christmas presents. And I'm here today with a very lovely guest, Hiba. Hiba, would you like to introduce yourself to the podcast listeners? Yeah, thank you so much, Julia. Um, on my side of things, it is already dark here in Wisconsin. Um, very cold, but we're managing. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Hiba Mohammed, um, and I am the state lead program manager with Common Power. Uh, I'm based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I've been with CP since July of this year, so coming up on five or six months. Yay, thank you for introducing yourself. And it has been a really, really amazing time working with you. We should have gotten you on this podcast much, much earlier. Um, But I'm happy we're able to have you here today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here and uh, excited for this podcast. You've been doing great work with it. So I am flattered to be invited. Yeah, thank you. So Hiba, would you um, kind of introduce your job and your role here at CP a little bit for our listeners who may not know um, exactly what your position does? Yeah, absolutely. So I joined Common Power um, to participate in the field work program broadly. Um, And specifically, my role has been to Um, adopt and execute a new team model for our fieldwork program. So for folks who have been with Common Power in the past, you may know that um, we've done fieldwork both in person through travel um, and also virtually, particularly during um, 2020 when COVID hit, all of our work turned um, to virtual volunteer opportunities to support campaigns and county parties, um, candidates in particular, et cetera, um, in their their field efforts to get elected and to make sure that we are electing people who match our values. So after 2020, um, I understand that CP went through a restructuring process to evaluate um, what the fieldwork program looked like because it was um, basically almost entirely volunteer-led. And we wanted to make sure that the structure we were using was really conducive to, um, A, making sure that we weren't burning out anyone who was a part of the program, and B, was giving us um, as many opportunities as possible to support campaigns across the country. Um, And so when I walked in, it was into a new team lead model that focuses on interracial and intergenerational teams. We have seven states and each state has five team leads that are managing the volunteer efforts in those states. So coming into this, my job was to take that program, recruit volunteer leaders to participate as team leads and to help build up our field work opportunities, our partnerships with local organizations in all of those seven states in preparation for, um, well, this fall we did work in Virginia. So we were preparing for that and had a robust effort on that front. Um, And for the other six of our states to prepare for the midterms coming up next year. So really um, my job, I guess, in short is to recruit those volunteer leads and to support them so that we are doing as much work as possible in our seven priority states and giving our 
Common Power volunteers all of the opportunities they desire to have an impact on the upcoming midterms. That's amazing. That's amazing. That is a very good job. Um, it sounds like you're up to a lot. Uh, would you be willing to share a little bit of your previous kind of um, professional background before coming to CP with our listeners as well? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So most of my professional career has been in campaigns. Um, so my first official campaign experience was back in 2016 um, and it was actually my own campaign. So when I was living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, I ran for city council and that was the first time I'd ever had any sort of formalized campaign experience. Um, and while I didn't win that race, it was a really energizing opportunity and definitely something I hope to do again in the future um, at a to-be-determined time. Um, but after that, I went on to work as a field organizer for Hillary Clinton's campaign, also in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, and then I spent three years in Washington, D.C., working as the national field coordinator for the Arab American Institute, which is a national nonprofit that works, um, my position anyway, my part of the work was to mobilize our Arab American community and get them involved in civic engagement work across the country, but in particular in 12 specific states where uh, most Arab Americans live. Um, after that, I returned to Wisconsin to work on the 2020 coordinated campaign, um, first as the distributed organizing director and eventually as the digital organizing director. And it was through that role that I became familiar with Common Power. Um, and I actually often joke that like day one of my job with the WIS Stems um, last year, I was told that, oh yeah, COVID has put all of our in-person work on hold. We even had a group from Seattle, a group of 50, that was supposed to come and door knock with us for the primary. Um, and I remember saying, is that five zero or one five? Either way, I like couldn't believe <laughs> that there were people from out of the state who were willing to fly in to door knock. So um, that was my first impression of CP. And I've continued to be impressed with the work, both as an outsider and now um, as someone who works for CP. I'm really pleased to be doing this work um, in an organization that is flexible enough to give us the opportunity to try new things that look a little bit different from traditional organizing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you've definitely been on a very wild professional ride coming all the way and arriving here at CP. Um, so, so I'm kind of a little curious if you could share a little more about how exactly you came to arrive at CP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there, there's like a short answer and a long answer. I'll give you the medium answer, which is after the 2020 campaign, the truth is I was really burned out, right? That was what felt like the fight of our lifetimes. Um, and it still feels that way, right? Like that was a huge accomplishment for us as a country to elect a Democrat um, who cares about people and who in very obvious ways is uh, a much better leader than Donald Trump was. Um, so that was a huge effort. It took a great toll on everyone who worked on the campaign. So at the end of 2020, um, after the campaign ended, I was like looking for a nine to five desk job somewhere. I didn't want to get back into organizing. And so I was taking my time looking for work. Um, and then I received um, two emails from Common Power volunteers who had worked with me on the campaign in 2020 saying, hey, CP is hiring for this position. We think you would be great for it. Um, you know, please apply and let us know if you apply. Um, and I really don't think I would have considered an organizing opportunity had it not been at CP and had I not had the experience I did with Team Wisconsin 
um, during the 2020 election cycle because so much of the work that we did together and the way that those volunteer leaders came to me and basically said, we just want to support you, so tell us what you need. That was unlike any partnership I've ever had in any campaign uh, sphere, right, or any campaign experience. Um, they made it so easy to ask for their help and to rely on them. And in a big way, I did rely on them, right? So when they reached out to me to say, we're doing this, um, all of those memories and those good feelings of being supported by C excuse me, by CP volunteers during 2020, I remembered that and I thought, you know, why not? If I get this job, great. And I know that uh, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity and room to experiment and to grow and to build something really special within an already special organization. So uh, that's how I ended up at CP. And uh, had I not gotten this job and accepted being a part of this team, I don't know where I'd be right now, but uh, sometimes I imagine that I'd be like, working at the city clerk's office, you know, clocking, clocking in at nine, clocking out at five. And like, that would have been a fine existence as well. Um, but this one feels like a really uh, motivating and unique opportunity and, and a place that I'm really happy to be right now. Right, right. And that's amazing. You know, it's, it's really interesting. You talked about kind of being really burnt out um, after like a lot of your work on all these elections and all these campaigns, and then kind of this opportunity at CP coming back almost like in a way like calling you back to you know this work of organizing um what was that like for you like um kind of dealing with that burnout one and then almost in a way being called back into the work and how do you how do you continue to make your work here at cp sustainable knowing that you know you've had that burnout before mm -hmm. yeah that's a really great question um so for me i'll, I'll say two things uh, i've been on campaigns, as I mentioned, repeatedly. And so the burnout was not new to me. Um, and I think maybe going into 2020, I thought I had more tools and more experience and more skills to set boundaries um, than I actually did. And there was, you know, so I, I went into this and sort of was susceptible to the overworking culture and that kind of climate, um, even though I, I really thought that maybe I would do a better job setting boundaries. So, you know, that that is something for me to reflect on in my own time. Um, and, but I do think that something we should talk about is like this very real cultural element of campaigns and this urgency, right? And again, like that was probably the most important campaign of my lifetime, certainly up until this point. And I'm sure a lot of other people would agree um, that it was a really important campaign. And so there are so many times where you sort of just justify losing another hour of sleep because, you know, you are going to change the world through this work. Now we can argue whether or not that's true. Uh, you know, again, something I'll reflect on in my own time. Um, and so when I got the common power opportunity and was interviewing for it, um, two things were clear to me. First is that the culture of common power is set up so we do the best that we can to avoid burning out our staff. And if it's getting to that point, at least from my perspective, that there's a lot of openness and opportunity to pause and to say, this is a lot of work, you know, I can do this work, but maybe I need more time than we originally agreed on. Or can we bring in someone else to do this? Or can we share the responsibility? So the culture at Common Power is very different from um, that of campaigns I've worked on, where sense of urgency is really built into the entire experience. Um, and part of that, too, is because we're building for the long term, right? We're not tapering off after the midterms or after the presidential elections. This is a long-term effort. And knowing that helps us 
sort of square our minds with this idea that I don't have to stay up until 1am every night doing stuff because there will be another day to do this. We are building something special. Um, and then the other piece of this too, as I think about my time at common power, um, when I was interviewing for this job, I, I think coming directly off of the campaign, um, I had sort of written down and journaled a lot about that experience. And so I sort of came in with very hard boundaries as I was talking to Charles about uh, the potential of joining the team, right? And so I, I just wanted to make certain things really clear. Um, and as, as I started, just working very hard to maintain those boundaries that I had set for myself. And again, because of the common power culture, I found that those boundaries were always respected, which is really special, really unique, and something that I'm grateful for, um, especially because like, I was coming off of six months of being unemployed, and it was a really like a, an apt moment for me. Those six months were so special because I really did get to focus on me and what I needed for myself and just like really just like finding who I was again after a campaign. So the decision to go back into organizing after taking off for so long and feeling like that was a really needed period of time um, just to recharge and get to know myself again. Um, it was not an easy decision to leave that for organizing again, knowing what could happen. And so knowing... Um, or having that reassurance rather that common power would be supportive of me having a life and not burning myself out um, was a vital part of the conversation and the negotiation I had with Charles um, when trying to come on to the team. Um, and I've seen that continue to be true in the last five or six months that I've been with CP. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. And I'm, I'm happy that, you know, coming into this role, you're really prioritizing like your own self-care because I know like even from my own experiences and from what I've heard from other people is that like yeah this kind of work is hard it is burnout is real especially in the context of like COVID-19 and everything um so I'm I'm really happy to hear that you know I'm, I'm happy that you know we managed to get you into CP and that you're also still taking care of yourself to this day to prevent that burnout that is so very real in this field of work yeah, thank you. And I'm happy about all of that, too. Thank mm -hmm. you. So let's see. So you're you said you've been in CP for about six months now. Um, what are some of the projects that you've been working on during your time here? Yeah, or trips? Great question. Um, so really, the, the biggest project continues to be our state teams program. Um, so right now, um, as I mentioned, each team has five leads. So 35 people in total um, across the seven teams. Um, I'm still working to fill a lot of those positions because um, the model that we're using is interracial and intergenerational, which um, to me means that we have to be intentional about what team leads we're plugging in to which teams and what the composition of those teams looks like. So um, to be totally frank, right now we have openings that I'm hoping to fill with um, either folks who identify as, as BIPOC or who are Gen Z to help us uh, reach that goal of having truly interracial and intergenerational teams. So we've been doing a lot of recruitment over the last several months to find those candidates. Um, and then as we have filled the teams, uh, the team leads that we currently have, we've done a lot of sort of like habit building, right? I mentioned that Virginia did have an election this year, and I want to shout out those team leads, Chris, Abby, and Eve, because they crushed it in making sure that we could go there in person and also manage virtual volunteer opportunities. Um, even though they'd been team leads for like 
a month before we got into the work again. So when a shout out team Virginia and the example that they set for all of the other teams um, for the other six teams that didn't have elections or active volunteer opportunities, we've really spent the last few months building habits that I want them to carry into next year when we have the midterms, right? So that's posting on commonpower.io and managing their own state team pages. That's hosting volunteer meetings at least once a month. It's scheduling time with their fellow team leads to make sure that they are prepared as a leadership team for upcoming opportunities and are touching base. So um, managing that program and also um, at this stage in particular, collecting feedback from the team leads who've been with us for the last three or four months is really important because this is a brand new team model um, that was piloted earlier this year. And uh, Julia, I think you were part of that effort with Team Texas and that special election. Yeah. Um, so it was piloted then and now we're trying to apply it across all seven teams. And I mean, there are gonna be things that work really well and things that don't and the things that don't, we wanna adjust, right? So we've spent a lot of time evaluating that and making sure that it's in a good place. Um, and in particular, right now we're focused on the evaluation. Um, and then, you know, there's bigger picture things like training of the team leads and putting together protocols, whether it's for travel or how we find new partners um, in these states that we can actually work with. So. Um, it's been really rewarding to have the direct contact with the team leads because um, that volunteer interaction is really energizing to me. Um, and we've also done some like bigger picture planning and processing along the way. So trying to find the balance there, but at the end of the day, making sure that uh, for me, the priority is making sure that the team leads feel supported and what gaps do we have in our program currently that we need to fill in order to make sure that they are feeling that support um, in the way that I would like them to and the way that they need. So that's, yeah, that's what we've been working on. And as we look to next year, um, I will advise folks to save the date for February 1st, which will be the official CP-wide relaunch of our fieldwork effort. And we will have an event that day at 530 Pacific um, with all of our teams so that you, if you're not already part of a team, you can sign up. If you are part of a team, you get to learn what's coming up for you. Um, but we are really leaning into preparing for 2022 and giving our volunteer community options for how they can spend their time and contribute to the midterm elections. Um, so there's a lot at stake, which I don't have to tell you or the folks who are listening to this. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be a lot of work and looking forward to having more people involved in that as we kick off the new year. Yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing all the work that... Um you've been doing with the state team leads um especially like being um very thoughtful about who our team leads are especially with those interracial um intergenerational dynamics um so i i'm kind of curious so what are some challenges that you've had with implementing this new team model and then what are also some really great um accomplishments that have come out of the state team lead model it could be like you can give me numbers, but I always love hearing like specific stories about specific accomplishments or challenges that um, you consider when doing your work. Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, so I guess uh, I'll start with the challenges, which I think just generally is acknowledging that like people have lives, right? <laughs> and so when you are coming into this position, um, which is a volunteer-based position, and we do offer stipends for all of our team leads, um, and if you're a Gen Z team lead, your stipend rather than being once per quarter or once every three months is um, an hourly rate. 
because we, when we built this team model and got feedback from folks who'd done it in the past, the feedback that they got from younger folks was, you know, I'm in school typically, or I'm working one or multiple jobs. And so it makes it really hard for me to volunteer my time. But if there was a way that we could get paid to do this um, and paid a decent salary that's sort of like competitive with, you know, my part-time or full-time job, um, I'd be more likely to spend time doing this. And so we implemented an hourly rate that gets paid on a more regular frequency than the the block stipend once a quarter. So um, anyway, that's part of the acknowledgement that people have lives. Um, mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's it's how do we schedule something where everyone can participate or how are we making sure that we're supporting people in the right way? Um, and I think that will continue to be a question Um, And one thing that I've really encouraged our team leads to remember is we have built out this framework and they can customize it as needed for their state team, right? Um, And that too, again, is like an acknowledgement that not every every structure is going to work perfectly for every person. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that translates also into the recruitment, right? So um, as we're talking to people and trying to explain to them that, you know, this is paid, it's two to five hours per week. We want to do our best to support you specifically, um, you know, as a young person or a BIPOC identifying person, like we want to build these programs and prioritize and amplify your voice. Um, That's nice to say, but how are we actually making that happen? And so, um, again, that's something that's always on my mind is we're pitching this opportunity to folks. And, you know, I think the best way to recruit people is to demonstrate to them that we are doing all these things that we're including in our pitch. So I'm just going to keep working toward that and it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen by myself. So I'm really grateful to have a strong field work team. And also our current team leads are really invested in making that interracial intergenerational model a reality because we know it's the best way to organize. So I think that challenge of bringing people in um, and giving them the space to customize it and be as flexible as possible. So it fits into their existing lives. Mm -hmm. um, That's been a challenge, but I think one that we can overcome Um, as we continue to build this out. Um, And in terms of an accomplishment, gosh, um, again, Virginia was the only state that had an election this fall. Right. And all of the teams came together during the last get out the vote weekend for the Virginia election in early November to run the phone banks, right? So our two, two of the three team leads were on the ground in person in Virginia. And so they couldn't lead those virtual phone banks. Um, and it's hard for a single team lead to do that themselves. So uh, all of the team leads coordinated so that each team, each state team had a role in executing those phone banks. And, you know, basically staff didn't touch it at all. It was entirely volunteer led both the idea and the execution of it and man I was so proud of that because that is what we talk about or that's what we mean rather when we talk about mojo right that we are doing this work in community and to see folks really modeling that um was I don't know it was like a a proud mom moment for lack of a better description so um excited to see more of that happening and to know that um, again, to have it reinforced that we found the right people for the roles. And um, I'm excited to find more of the right people to fill in the open positions that we currently have. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious how CP is going about recruiting um, those additional state team leads. Like, are we reaching out to universities? How are we hitting like young BIPOC folks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, up until this point, a lot of our recruitment, both for team leads and you know, even staff and and volunteers in general has been through our relational networks, which I think is great. 
I'm a big believer in relational work, whether it's to turn someone out to vote or to like get someone to come to the movies with you, right? Like that, you know, all of that is great. So I am a big believer in that. And I think we have room to build on top of that, to do some cold outreach to different folks, to different organizations. And so that's something um, in the new year that I'm, I'm really hoping to focus and spend more time on um, so that we can bring in new people and in particular young and BIPOC folks. Um, but I do also wanna give a shout out to our team leads who after going through you know, three or four months of this experience are really eager to help us recruit to fill those positions. So they've um, asked for information that they can disseminate whether it's to their professors because we do have a number of Gen Z folks in college who want to send this information to their professors that they can disseminate as an opportunity to, you know, the entire department um, or their entire class. So that's really exciting. Um, and then for folks who aren't college students, they too have their own networks that they can tap, right? Um, particularly as we think about the upcoming holiday season and a lot of people spending time with family. Um, you know, everyone hopefully has some person in their life who is you know, younger and that they can shoulder tap, whether or not that person is BIPOC, but um, you're spending time with an extended network over the holidays. And so we've encouraged folks to shoulder tap those people in their lives um, to just, you know, pitch this as an opportunity or just pitch volunteering in general with Common Power. And I'm excited to hear uh, hear from folks in their report backs, what went well, who they talked to, and if they were able to bring anyone in. So it's really a team effort. Um, and again, I think a testament to how much our current team leads believe in this structure and want us to succeed. Right. That's awesome. I'm so excited for what else 2022 will bring for you and your role and field work here at CP. Um, I know we're over time, so I think we're about to wrap it up here. But do you have any um, any last thoughts or comments you want to share with our podcasters? Of course, we'll have you back on here again because there's a whole world of things that we need to talk about. But um, any last mm -hmm. thoughts for today? <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Julia. Um, yeah, I just want to say thanks again for having me on and for the folks who are listening to this. Um, if you too have young folks in your lives or, um, you know, BIPOC folks that you think would be a good fit for this program, um, please shoulder tap them, reach out to me. Uh, my email is hibba at commonpower.org. Um, I'm happy to have a conversation to pitch this to them because again, I've come from the traditional campaign world and Common Power is so different in so many good ways from that traditional world because we are investing um, long-term in the folks that we're bringing into this. And I think anyone who joins this community as staff, as a team lead, as a general volunteer, uh, will have a lot of benefit to their lives from doing so. So yeah, please go ahead and shoulder tap those folks over the next few weeks and ongoing because we'll always be looking for people. Um, and thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thank you guys so much. And let me just say, Hiva is so good at shoulder tapping people. Um, we had one individual who was literally like her hotel or condo concierge, Ben, um, who came approached to us about our work. And he was like, yeah, Hippo referred me to you guys. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if Ben is listening, we're so glad that you're here. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your time. And um, we'll, we'll see you back on this podcast soon. Yeah. Thank you, Julia. Take Bye. care. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Take care.